great i love it <laughs> hi internet we are live once again you know we're back at it again with another live one for all you biconics wrestling nerds out there that was my and billy stark intro by the way like look billy is a national treasure protect her at all costs and she no. don't need our protection she she's really good on her own yeah that is very very fair of course but hello internet and welcome to the second episode of 2024 for the bc wrestle pod your monthly podcast where we pretty much do everything except review television shows here which is great <laughs> how Look, do this like how do we not talk about a show that we've just watched it's kind of difficult because we have a we do a lot of reviews here and this is the once a month thing where we do everything but talk about it which i mean we kind of still talk about it because you know wrestling in the professional world professional wrestling world it all kind of just melds together. Reviews, you know, topical stuff, things like that. We'll see what happens. But we are here to talk about a, a very important topic when it comes yep. to professional wrestling. Uh, this episode, it, it, the topic was given to us by our lovely co-host Adolfo here, which before we get into that, hi, we should do introductions. Wow. Yeah, we're five minutes in. This is our this, is this topic is super important. And so I was like, you know what? We're going to do this right. We should probably let everybody know who we are. Hi, guys. I am El Jefe Mikey himself. I'm the person that founded, runs, corrals. Like, I do everything but uh, make monies here so far for the eaves for I two keep... weeks, makes us do our own thing. Getting, you know, okay, correction. It was two days, not two weeks. Get it straight. <laughs> you were off two weeks worth of stuff on two different weeks for two different shows. I'm just saying. And you know what? And I made up for it by editing all of these said shows that the rest of you most of the time get to just review outside of Dynamite and ROH. That is the compromise we make here. Because I love you guys, and I don't want you guys to stress. And honestly, this gives me time to get better. But I am joined tonight for this special episode of the BC Wrestle Pod. First and foremost, you know him, you love him, you can follow him and find him on the Collision and Rampage reviews weekly. And sometimes he fills in for Dynamite and ROH, the one and only L the second himself, Adolfo, the nerdy Puerto Rican. I'm sign language clapping. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Hello, wrestling fans. I am happy to be here. I'm so happy you are here, my friend. And then, of course, joining us as well tonight. Without him, there would be no Biconics because he started this whole thing all those years ago when it was just me and JBL. And it was just a thought. You can also find him all over the Dynamite and the Ring of Honor reviews and sometimes popping up for any of the pay-per-views we do which is really really fun thank goodness we don't have another one for two weeks we'll talk about that when we get there but 
only Mr. John Van Vicious himself, JBL. I missed you so much this week. I find it very fun that uh, tonight is Mikey and his two long-haired bearded fellows that are just going to be holding up his palm fronds and keeping him nice and cool as he goes through his entire thing. That's right. You are my boys for tonight. So I'm really excited. I mean, the topic we're talking about is not necessarily exciting, but it, it's it, heavy. Yeah, it's, it's a heavy. heavy. It's, it's, it's trunks versus tights. What do you wear in the ring? That is the <laughs> asking question tonight. And it's really, it's, it's a big deal. It, it's, it's supported by a lot of people. Yes. But in all seriousness, tonight's topic is entitled, and you know, I'm going to debut this title here because I made a thing that Ooh. the title for this episode is called Mask Off, Wrestling Heroes and Real Life Villains. We got a ticker. So tonight's episode is going to be all of us, and we're just going to have a general conversation of what happens when you find out that your wrestling heroes and the characters that they portray inside the squared circle end up being not the best kinds of people outside of the ring. And this topic came about for two reasons. Number one, this was tonight's episode is going to, I'm giving Adolfo all the credit here because this was his idea. He presented the idea to kind of do an episode on this. And I thought it was an important conversation. So this episode is sponsored by Adolfo. Yeah. So this came about with the retirement of Sting. You know, Sting, he's wrestling in AEW now, but he he has a a storied career uh, through many big name companies. And he's going to be retiring next month. And along his retirement tour, Ric Flair has popped up. And... In recent time, uh, some things have come up about Ric Flair's past, which have kind of, which not kind of, which have made him look like an a-hole for, you know, lack of a better term. And, you know, I started thinking uh, about all of the wrestlers I grew up with, you know, like the Hogan, the Warrior, uh, the Canadian Crippler, right, who... Like I watched and, you know, I, I, I said my prayers and I took my vitamins, you know, I was one of the warrior nation, you know, and, and like, I, I, I would watch them and and be amazed and be like, wow, you know, this is their heroes. You know, they were my heroes growing up. And uh, you know, even like going into high school, when I wrestled in high school and collegiate, uh, you know, when, Still, I had this nebulous thing of, oh, I want to wrestle, uh, you know, I want to wrestle. They were the ones like I, 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 I held up and idolized. But then as time has gone on, things have just come out that have just made them just, you know, horrible human beings. So like that, that's where the impetus for, for this conversation came from is like, it is, is, you know, let's take a look at these guys uh, and let's, you know, is there some way to reconcile, you know, because back in the eighties, not so much now. And, and me personally, I feel that it's, it's a, it's that social media age thing where now with, with the Instagrams and the Facebooks and, and all this going on that really it's hard to keep kayfabe back in the eighties, you know, where kayfabe. So for those that don't know what kayfabe is in essence, there were, you had two lives, you had your wrestling persona and you had your, your life persona your real life persona and you know for example roddy roddy piper was one of the biggest villains back in the uh, you know back in the 80s growing up but outside of the ring he was actually a really nice guy you know so you know 
that's that's where when these truths came out about these individuals uh that because of kayfabe you know it was like that that's the hulkster and the hulkamania and the warrior nation and you know and made sure that you the, the the curtain was never pulled back so you're you as a person right were never discovered the the character could live larger than life right and now in 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 my older years when i'm you know wiser and 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 more storied you know and i'm seeing these these people aren't the best it's like okay so then do can we separate the artist from the art or is it all part and parcel that's where this conversation came from and sorry about you, the long-winded explanation <laughs> before we even started off I, I have a secondary question to that as well which is can is it easier now to separate them or to at least deal with the entire thing because of the kayfabe break and the fact that we know things almost automatically versus having had that, those years of nostalgia and these years of that parasocial relationship you had with that character broken at a time where like the, you just you weren't expecting it this wasn't a thing that was happening in the moment this is old news that you're now finding out yeah you know I, I feel that as a wrestling fan now, uh, I'm going to take Brody King. All right. Big bad Brody King from AEW. Uh, this, this dude is a monster. This dude just wrecks people. He is, he is your textbook heel. I mean, heck last night uh, on Friday night. No, last night. I'm sorry. Last night. He, he had Julia Hart stick a, a, a nail into Mark Briscoe's head. You know what I mean? But then like when you see him on YouTube or on his Instagram, he's like, he's playing dress up with his daughter, going toy shopping with Ethan Page, you know, being Julia Hart's road parent, you know, and, and just being like an all around nice guy. So it's like, so, and it, it's not that that diminishes my entertainment of seeing him like beat the crap ever, uh, out of everyone, but there, you know, there is a small part of me that's like, I know you're going toy shopping after this Brody. You don't need to wolf at me. I know. I know. You know, I mean, you're right. That's all. Yeah. So, so I, I do think that is that it's harder to keep that kayfabe uh, as opposed because, you know, back in the eighties and even the early nineties uh, before the internet culture became big, uh, there was, uh, unless you actually were reading the news or watching the news. And to be honest, because uh, pro wrestlers have always been on the backside of sports, you know, people not considering it a real sport or whatnot. No one has ever really paid attention unless it was a like a big thing you know and lita like that big thing that, that blew up and turned storyline therefore they tried to get ahead of it by making it a storyline right exactly exactly so so yeah i hope i answered the question didn't veer <laughs> to think about now because it's it's such a different thing now for some of the examples we're bringing up tonight versus the older examples from our childhoods yeah uh, whereas we have to deal with that in a different setting versus I'm an adult now hearing about it. And then two weeks later, we know who's involved, what's going on, where yep. the court case is going to be two years down the road. Like it's all easily accessible now where it definitely wouldn't have been at the time unless you were on the plane ride from hell or you were in those back rooms yep. at those parties doing cocaine off of Tara Balea's 24 inch Python. So it's like, it's yep. really what you got to figure out. So yeah, why don't, uh, Mikey, why don't you start us off uh, with with one example of uh, one of these wrestlers? So before I go ahead and do that, I, well, one thing I want to issue is if you're watching this live or if you're watching the edited version of this later, I want to give a trigger warning now because we're going to be talking about some peoples and some of these things that we're going to be talking about range from bullying racism to more extreme measures of like as you know one subset of the wrestling community who yep. thinks it's important to have these conversations with yep. that out of the way i will begin us off so 
even though it's just as bad, we're not going to get into the heaviness quite yet because the first person I want to talk about, I have two individuals and I'm going to start with one, the one that was more so how you destroy your career before it gets even to the peak, the pinnacle, if you will. My first person that we're going to talk about is one and only Tessa Blanchard. So a lot of the time when we surround, when we talk about these controversies and the crazy behaviors of the professional wrestlers, nine out of 10 times, it's always a male wrestler is involved with this because it's just the nature of the sport however this is an example of it does it's not an incident an isolated thing where male wrestlers kind of find themselves in controversies because sometimes the women find themselves and boy howdy the tessa blanchard destroy her career before it really got to the peak of the mountain so with tessa as i mentioned in the trigger warning her story focuses more on the bullying and the racism of certain things so I am going to uh, I'm going to kind of give the timeline and then we'll have a discussion. So if you do not know who Tessa Blanchard is, and I made sure that I got this right, Tessa Blanchard is the daughter of Tony Blanchard, who is also a wrestling figure, which, you know, we can have a whole other conversation about that later. Tully is, yeah, whole his whole other thing, but still. Oof. But we're going to focus on his daughter, Tessa. So Tessa's kind of early successes in pro wrestling before all this happened. Tessa, obviously, because of her dad being Tully Blanchard, you know, she was primed to kind of take over this business as being a generational kid of the business. So there was some opportunity where she did some enhancing work back in NXT, back in the black and gold era. And in fact, she actually had a spot in the 2017 May Young Classic as well. And at that time, she was knocked out, I believe, second round, but she still had impressive showing. And because of her name, a lot of the wrestling community was very shocked that the fact that NXT didn't offer her a developmental deal after that. But Tessa's true success would come when she signed with Impact Wrestling and she would go on to have a career redefining moment in the company's history. She made her way through the knockouts division. She had some excellent matches with the likes of Jordan Grace and some of the other knockouts in that division. And she broke gender boundaries and she shattered the glass ceiling in a way because she was the first and only knockout to win the Impact World Championship, which is mostly a male title. So that's the title for the men. But she broke boundaries during this time because she redefined what the gender roles for wrestlers were going to be because she won that title off of Sammy Callahan being the only knockout to win the Impact World Championship. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, everything kind of shut down a little bit and her reign was kind of cut short in a, you know, in a sense, but it was because of the pandemic that things started coming to light. So this is where Tessa got canceled, if you will, for the wrestling by the wrestling community and her peers. So it was reported in a Forbes article back during the pandemic that Tessa Blanchard's backstage behavior kind of came to light when multiple allegations came out of her being bullying and being racist towards some of the locker room at that time. And some of these accusations came from some pretty substantial names that are still wrestling right now. Some of these accusations that were raised against her came from wrestlers like Allison Kay. Priscilla Kelly, who goes by Gigi Dolan now in NXT, uh, Renee Michelle, Shayna, Tania Brooks, and more importantly, and I don't want to say the biggest name on here, but somebody that I forgot when I was doing research was Chelsea Green brought these allegations up too. 
And if anybody who knows Chelsea Green, homegirl is ally in all fronts. Like Chelsea Green is will fight any for anybody and everyone. She stands firm in her beliefs. But these were just some of the women that brought up these allegations of bullying. And when I was doing research, I forgot that Chelsea Green was very vocal about this, too. Everybody else was. But Chelsea was like the rah-rah up in the front with it, which is nice to see that Chelsea is standing by, you know, women's wrestling and just calling out poor behavior. So this started, you know, on social media because the world was locked down. Nobody can really do anything. And so Tessa did the one thing you should never do is she made a tweet to apologize for poor behavior. Now, the thing is, is that when you make an apology you, in this day and age, every YouTuber and their mom has an apology video for something. It's always the same thing. It's like they're in the, no makeup in a hoodie or a sweatshirt. They cry to apologize for their poor behavior. And Tessa did this in digital format. So she sent a tweet out to apologize for the behavior. And, you know, women should support each other. This was not taken very well by the Internet because the message itself was so condescending in tone and lacked any real self-awareness for it, which then triggered a wave of backlash and more accusatory tweets from other wrestlers and other companies. And like I said, Chelsea Green was at the forefront of this because she accused that Blanchard was bullying and demeaning numerous female workers. Allison Cade took it a step further and made it a more severe claim that Blanchard had spat in a, you know, African-American woman's face when they were in Japan and used racial slurs against her. It gets crazier because while the Internet and everybody else was talking about this and whatnot, because of the allegations and everything that was happening, Tessa kind of disappeared for a little bit which ultimately even meant that she stopped showing up at Impact Wrestling tapings during this whole entire thing, too. She also went south of the border with her then boyfriend and just didn't come back. Oh, I'm going to get to that part right now because that's part of the research. So as JVL brought up during this whole time to kind of avoid the backlash, Tessa moved south of the border to Mexico with her then fiance, Daga, who we have seen once in Ring of Honor, like, within the last couple of months or so. She didn't do anything she was asked because she was scheduled to defend the title at Slammiversary 2020, but she never sent in her promos and then they couldn't come with an agreement. So at that time, Impact made the decision and they terminated her contract. With cause, I believe. With, with cause because of everything that happened with the allegations and then, you know, they couldn't come to terms with everything. And Tessa wasn't showing up for work because she didn't want to face all the accusations head on. So then after her contract was terminated, Tessa was not getting offers from any other company. WWE and AEW were not actively pursuing her because her problematic behavior was something that they wouldn't want in their locker rooms. She did have a short brief appearance in WOW, the women of wrestling, but she also had a fallout there with that organization as well. And ever since, she hasn't really been, you know, in the wrestling world too often since that. And it's kind of gone radio silent. But I bring the story of Tessa Blanchard up because for anybody who's thinking about going into professional wrestling or even just being a human being in general, you need to make sure even if you don't like your co-workers, nobody has the right to be demeaning, to bully, to be racist to anybody and her backstage antics truly ruined what could have been a really, really cool run with the title. And more importantly, 
Had she not been problematic with her backstage behavior, I honestly would would have considered Tessa Blanchard to be a pioneer in women's wrestling. But this is a story of how you ruin your own career by being a not so great human being to other women in a sport that's already hard enough for women to get into and be taken seriously. And she, in my humble opinion, did not do herself any favors. And it took a lot of work for the knockouts division of impact to, you know, rid that chapter in order to let the wrestling world know, be like, yeah, we have one bad apple, but we still have a whole bunch of talent here. And that is going to conclude my first thesis of the night. Tessa Blanchard, the cause of her downfall, just bad behavior, racism, allegations of bullying, and overall not being a nice person to work with. So I have two questions. My first question is, if this had taken place back in the 80s, early 90s, prior internet, do you think she would still have a wrestling career? Would these allegations have gotten out the way they they did? Not to downplay anything that she did or anything they came up with it but comparatively to people that have been avowed racists and bullies from that time period she's child's play because of the the age she's in like she was not fully avowed of it she did it very secretly even in, in a lot of things which isn't good but there was more of a uh, a thought about it people in the 80s probably would have either passed it off as she was trying to be like one of the boys and it wasn't even her thoughts or they would have basically just quietly just kicked her out because she wouldn't have wanted to do that because one of like four women working in the, in professional wrestling at that point and making any money. So she might've been more careful in general. It's a thing we can put in a different age because of where women's wrestling is like Mula was a vowed racist and a vowed bully. And she did perfectly fine, but she was one person out of a whole thing of that. And then you think, look at the stuff with like, you know, uh, rock and Robin and, you know, and Wendy Richter and stuff that she did to folks that's terrible this comparatively like it's still horrible stuff she did but at most there wasn't like actual violence against people right there wasn't sexual assault like she was extremely racist which is terrible but i don't know it's a hard place to put it okay and now and which brings me to my second do you see her coming back to one of the major uh you know doesn't have to be AEW or or or, or, or wwe but maybe like tnt or impulse or do you see her coming back she would have to do some sort of mea culpa and actually like admit to being wrong like her thing is she probably won't work again until she makes the first not even admission just the the thing you tell everybody when they're when they're in a scandal like just own up to it seem you know like, like apologetic and then start to just keep your head down she started to keep her head down without doing anything else to help herself so it's still out there right okay all right cool all right mm-hmm. i'll i'll go since this is my topic, if that's okay, JVL, or did you want to love it? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to bring up, and I just kind of want to rapid, rapid shoot it just because everything with this individual is, is still going on and still uh, fresh. Uh, it's, it's the Vince McMahon allegations and uh, uh, lawsuit that's, that's going on right now. Uh, if, and we're not, we're not going to cover it. There, there's more, more than enough YouTube videos uh, and you can, just type in Vince McMahon news and you can read up on the full, on the full gamut of it. My, the two things about this though, is, is number one, even with the whole WrestleMania hoopla that's gone on, I do not want this to be buried because it is super important that his feet get held to the fire 
and he's held accountable for these actions. Uh, but for conversation, where do we think Vince McMahon uh, came from? I mean, he's always he's always been, dare I say, he's always been a, a, a he, he's always been a, a greasy businessman. I mean, that's that that goes without saying, you know. But where do y'all think that this type of behavior like goes all the way back uh, to the seventies when he was working under his dad, uh, or do you, or, or do we think this is like I said, this is something that uh, manifested when uh, he got when he got the power? Let's start with you, JVL. My thoughts on it are. It's all. I mean, it's been a part of his personality since he was born. Like you know, it's, it's that that kind of narcissistic twinge that he's had. I think he finally felt the ability to it probably after WrestleMania one, okay. when he was finally on top of the world. He was starting to take over that. It's that feeling of power, and therefore, if I own this, I own everything. And then so keep up the uh, the you know the the uh, appearances of normal family, having kids, all that stuff with Linda. But at the same time, there's got to be things from them just, and not even like to the violent aspect of what he got. There was, you know, secretary in the pool, something like that. Just like, you know, taking little things like, like testing his waters of what it could be. And so he's just never been stopped and he's gone to the logical conclusion of, well, if I can get away with anything, I'm literally going to ruin someone's life for my own kicks. Okay. All right, Mikey, what, uh, what do you think? See, because this question is very loaded in the sense because I could, again, for those of you who don't know, yes, I run a wrestling podcast, but I went to school to become a psychologist at one point. So coming from this aspect, I feel that I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think it was as extensive of what we have seen Vince over the last several decades become into this super creepy monster. But I feel that the origin point for all of this is when he started to develop the sense of himself and started feeling himself a little bit too much. So whether that is when he, you know, got the reins to kind of do whatever he wanted, you know, at such a young age and having all this power and control over like some of the territories. I can't speak on that because it, his experience is not my experience. But at the same time, this is just a theory, not a fact. So take this with a grain of salt. Anytime anyone is presented with a position of power, nine out of 10 times, according to research and things like that, you know, we're always told, especially for people who don't necessarily find themselves in a position of power. When you get a little bit of power, sometimes people kind of get out of hand with it, especially that, you know, what we are seeing now. But it always starts somewhere and it only takes one little moment for someone to kind of put them on a path that ends up being crazy. So I honestly think when Vince started to get into the wrestling business and started to monopolize everything, what from the days of the territories to, you know, what we see now, I think couple that with being surrounded by people who are not going to hold him accountable and to check his power also didn't help. And because I think I'm only speculating Vince had that at when he was young and he's starting up in the wrestling business and then it seemed to continue on into the later years. It didn't seem that he had people who were going to check his behavior and people who did were shortly gone after that. So that's where I stand on that. Okay. So right. absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, Vince McMahon is just He's just a, a dumpster fire of a human. So, uh, you know, we don't. You look at his past; and it's not surprising. You know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because even before the these this second round 
of sexual misconduct allegations that have come out. He was under federal investigation for feeding steroids to his, you know, lied for him and just, you know, had their lives destroyed because of Vince McMahon. Well, there's also, there's two camps on that at Alpha because there's the ones that lied for him to get in his good graces and keep him on their side. And there are those that lied because since they were independent contractors, they were not in a position of power to stand up to the guy that was paying their paychecks. Yeah. This little culture there built around unfair work environment, everything else. And this has been there is. for yeah. ages and he got off on it. And the, and the, like when he was the Mr. of man character on TV, we saw it. That wasn't an exaggeration. Yeah. It was him. And then he yeah. started to live the gimmick. You can look at the early human being versus what led him to the path he was on. And there can be empathy, as most humans can give to folks about that. You know, he was a, a child of, of, of a marriage, uh, not even a marriage, of a relationship that wasn't wanted by his father. He had a stepfather forever, wanted to prove himself to a man that he never knew. And so therefore, maybe he's always chasing that to show I'm better than that or I'm more powerful than that. That being said, we can have empathy for a person that came up from crappy place. But then when you turn it on somebody else and don't use that to knowledge of your own to be like, oh, I can make the world a better place in a lot of ways. But no, I'm going to just do it to make money and be powerful and to feel good about myself because I felt crappy my entire life and do these horrible things to other people so they feel worse than I do. That is textbook like disturbing monsterism. It's it's yeah. it's, it's narcissism. It's it's yeah. you know what fascists are built out of. It's it's I don't know how else to do it. And to even pull back even farther, can I just bring up and to bring a little levity to the situation on this one? Yeah. How appropriate that as Vince McMahon comes back into this company, gets this thing done, all these things are still floating around about him. He decides, well, you know what? In my arrogance, what am I going to do to telegraph that all of this is real and that things are going on? I am going to grow a snidely whiplash must <laughs> and look like an actual supervillain. Because, yes, you're never going to get me. <laughs> crap. Ha, 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 ha. Like that from my memory. And then you no. reminded me. I was just like. The timing, though, like, you know, all this. Do you have to look like you're basically a Columbo villain from the 70s? Like, what's going oh, on? Jeez, Louise, that. Well, you know, what that do they made say? me so mad. How, how, what do they say? Dress, dress for the job you want. He already <laughs> had the job. He's just showing it off. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for indulging that. Uh, but uh, this does lead into the, the more serious one that I want to talk about. And that is the Canadian crippler, the rabid Wolverine, Chris Benoit. I am going to say his name, Chris Benoit. Someone that's from the incident. So that makes sense. Yeah, someone that has been scrubbed from at least the history uh, in a lot of wrestling history, because it's, it's a very touchy subject. So you know, Chris Benoit, uh, I, I know I knew him from, from uh, WCW and uh, early WWF days. I'm, I'm not even going to call it WWE because it was, you know, he was, you know, part of the four horsemen. He was one, one. And if you like, I think Dave Meltzer uh, put him in top 10 technical wrestlers uh, of all time. You know, this guy watching this guy work was just incredible. He had an intensity and his maneuvers when he the maneuvers the when he would lock in that Canadian crippler, when he would launch with a flying headbutt, like it, it was seeing an artist. Uh, you know, it, like to, to hold him up against like, you know, either now like Orange Cassidy nowadays or or Bret Hart, you know, just that's that's the level that he was at, you know what I mean? In the ring. But he one night in uh, 2000 in 2003, again, if you want the full story, you can please, you know, look it up and, and read about it. Uh, he, it was at like a three day standoff. He murdered his wife. He murdered his son 
And then he committed suicide. And this was like just after uh, he was, uh, he appeared on uh, like, I think it was like SummerSlam or something like for the WWF. Yeah. Yeah. Now. And uh, you know, yes, he, he had a troubled history, but then other things started coming up how Vince McMahon uh, that this was the time during that steroid thing where uh, Vince McMahon was, was supplying steroids to his wrestlers so that they could keep the level of performance that he wanted. And then post-mortem, their research, uh, they found that there was uh, evidence of uh, which, yeah, which pretty much, yeah. Thank you. So basically like that's when you hit in the head and they, right. And the concussion legacy foundation, they, they feel like all this that's come out, right. Do we feel that Chris Ben should be held in this black book zone? He's been scrubbed like from all of his achievements and he like you you bring him up he he's got a laundry list of achievements you know so but but yes like does he deserve to 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 be like to be blackballed like this yes okay i i got to see him in 2003 at the royal rumble when he fought chris uh kurt ang for the title and he got his standing ovation of the boston garden and it was one of the best matches i'd ever seen in my life as a wrestler he he could be studied by so many wrestlers and probably has for what he did in the ring and yes the life changed his brain chemistry changed a lot about him and yes his choice to go along with whatever he was forced to do because he was a smaller wrestler to keep himself beefy and in that heavyweight title picture was big factors in this, but he chose to do those things. He also, I mean, there's, there's things you can bring up with the depression aspect. Would he have done this had Eddie Guerrero not died? Eddie was his lifeline on the road, not to put it on one person. It wasn't Eddie's thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Eddie's, he's not his keeper. But there's the thought that, you know, having that one little lifeline kept it, would this have happened earlier had he not had a friend like Eddie on the road? But he made every choice. And even when his brain may not have been, his wife and son knew, and he was that much of a scary presence, they could not bring themselves to get out of the, get out of the way. And the things that he did to them were not just straight murder. I can't in good fashion at all ever say that he should be recognized for anything he did because he made that fateful choice. And he has no chance to atone for any of it. It's horrifying. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? At the end of the day, despite everything that happened with Chris Ben, multiple medical, social, and just, you know, just his brain in general with all, everything that's been going on is very unfortunate. But at the end of the day, I have to agree with JVL here because at the end of this conversation, choices were made and his wife, but more importantly, an innocent child lost their life. And got robbed of the opportunities. And they did not choose to. No. And that's the thing too. It is a very sad story. And unfortunately, Chris Ben, rightfully so, has been scrubbed from wrestling history due to the horrific actions, you know, that he ended up making. However, I hope that companies, other wrestlers, and just medical professionals in general, I want them to examine this story and take a look now because brain injuries are no joke and the alter you know the brain chemistry like leads to so many and it has been proven through research and things like that to alter moods and feelings 
and just thought processes and like synapses within the brain don't function properly like they're supposed to with repeated damage to it. I want everyone to take a look at the Chris Benoit story and seriously consider the fact that when someone has a concussion, it can no longer be taken lightly because, and it's not even professional wrestling. You know, with football, there's something going on today where what athletes are going to come out of the game tonight? Right. that are going to have things on their way and then they're doing stuff to help them there. But yeah, it's crazy. So now this, this brings me to my next question on this topic, uh, which is that that was a great segue. Uh, do, do, do we think that nowadays there are safety nets in place that wrestlers can go to, or that will stop wrestlers so that something like this doesn't happen again. So like, you know, for example, Sammy Guevara, uh, he, he's had sat out for a while because of concussion. Uh, John Moxley out because of concussion. Do, do we think that there are safety nets out there that are uh, covering the, that are, that are covering these performers? Or do we think that it's something more that they are, that, the wrestlers taken upon themselves to do. And it's not something that the, the, the company itself is, is pushing. I, cause I, I know that yeah. uh, not to interrupt, I, I, cause I, I know that that has been one stain on the WWE is that, you know, with all these people coming up, you know, with concussion injury and concussion injury that the WWE has kind of been trying to be like, you know, oh, that's not us. We don't cover it like that. You know what I mean? To try to sidestep the uh, to disavow that it actually happens. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. So, so uh, what do you think? Uh, we're going to start with Mikey. I think it depends on the promotion and their work environment, but I think it ultimately also depends on who's running the show and it depends on who's in charge. So, to use an example here, we here at the Biconics we cover. Four different promotions, and I count Ring of Honor as its own separate thing, kind of. So you have WWE, AEW, TNA, and Ring of Honor. So if we look at the grand scale of things, WWE, especially main roster, has been very notorious both within the last 10 years and even all the way clocking back into the early days of the company where we hear wrestlers all the time talk about, you know, they'd be wor they'll work through injuries, you know. Because they don't want to get off of the road because when you get off, you lose TV time and then, you know, your push will get stopped and somebody comes into your spot. So it's become a very Lord of the Flies-esque work environment, so to speak, especially when you're trying to get TV time. And it's it's a competition, you know, you need to do certain things. And if you're getting a push, a lot of wrestlers would work with injuries because they don't want to lose the momentum and the push they're getting. And we've seen many, many times on main roster where someone goes out, they're like, hey, I got to take care of this because otherwise I'm not going to be able to walk. And then we never get to see them back in the spot where they were before they left after injury. Now, I will say NXT has probably the better of the three, but that goes to who's in charge of it. Shawn Michaels makes sure to take care of these kids. And granted, Maybe there could be something different on the way that they train the WWE style of wrestling, but the NXT kids, when they get hurt, they have a better shot of being okay when they come back in terms of that. AEW, I feel Tony Khan does care about when people get hurt, but it just depends. TNA, you know, even though he's not there no more, Scott Demore went above and beyond for his roster to make sure everything was taken care of from medical to, you know, the basic necessities, things that, you know... Being in a business should come with work benefits, but that's a whole nother podcast episode 
about the unionization of professional wrestling and you know healthcare and benefits and retirement. All if you want stuff. a good take on that, go watch John Oliver's thing on last week tonight about it. It's yes. So good. But all to say, I think it just comes down to the work environment itself and like what the mentality is around that work environment. Who's in charge of it? Because some environments and individuals in charge, I feel, do a better job of truly taking care of their talent, though. Not everybody is perfect, though. But those are just my two caveats. It just depends on the environment that you work in. Who's in charge of the roster? All right. JVL, what do you think? I, I echo a lot of what Mikey said on that. My, my input on it is if you look specifically at AEW and WWE, uh, WWE is performative. Lately, they've been a little more at it, but they won't admit to anything going wrong. They've put in place safeguards because they don't trust their talent to take care of themselves. So there are no flying headbutts. There are no headshots with chairs. There are, you know, we don't allow you to do the shooting star press a lot. Like uh, pile drivers are outlawed. Everything is basically like, we don't trust you toddlers to take care of yourselves. We're going to tell you what to do so that we have some sort of uh, non-culpability when you end up hurting yourself because this business is hard. You look at AEW, it's more on the wrestlers to police themselves onto what you're doing here. We see a lot more headshots, pile drivers, all those things done. But Tony Khan that has in place medical to take care of, if you get a concussion, you're allowed to be out and we're going to take care of you and make sure you get Mox, take time off. Fenix, yes, you went through that stupid match with Mox and both concussed each other, but you took time off. You haven't been on, like, go get better. We'll bring you back in here. So there isn't a good medium for either one of it. I don't think either one does it well. It's just different. And if they kind of, you know, I don't, there are some wrestlers I assume you have to police that want to go out and do that stuff. And there are some people that are good about it and know what they're doing, but also should just be warned because they're going to hurt themselves. You never know. And they're all independent contractors. And really it does fall to the wrestler because at the end of the day, if you're working for WWE, you're not going anywhere else. If you're working for AW, you're working all over the place. So you've got to take care of yourself. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. So it, just in conclusion, when it comes to Chris Benoit, I, I, I agree with, with the two of you, you know, I, I feel that you know, his, his name should be uh, scrubbed and, and, and it, it, you know, that it, it comes with, with, with a lot of, a lot of hurt because he, he did do horrendous. He, the things he did was, were horrendous, you know, and the fact that he can't be held accountable for it is, 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 you know, just yeah, another sticking point. Well, they're also holding his living son accountable for it. Like he's a professional yeah. wrestler. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, the dark spring was heartbreaking about that. So, yeah. You know, and, and for as upsetting and, and as sad as it, it does make me, that's, you know, that it's a thing that has to be. Start form again. Really? Like, I'm just so down on everything now. I mean, <laughs> Wait, but this is, this is a, a fake thing. This is fake. Yeah. Don't <laughs> even get me started. Cause I will go off on this. I was like, look, don't want spicy Mikey tonight. Today is not the yeah. day. You know, just really, really quick. So even I, I don't do, uh, professional wrestling but i i am a stage combatant and you know i do a lot of stage combat with steel and we get that as well where people are like oh it's fake you know like people will will, will, will watch the show and they'll ask are those real swords like you can hear the tinging the only difference between the swords we're using and the sword that that you know and a, a real sword is that I actually want to come home to my wife. So it's not sharpened. Having said that though, a long sword clubbing you in the head hurts. It's still metal to the head. It's right. You know, it's a, a short sword to the rib hurts. You know, I can. And so I empathize 
with my peoples that are in the ring doing it because, you know, yeah, even though they you take measures to mitigate the damage that's coming into you, you are still you know, that is still contact yeah. and you're suffering. So, you um, but that's right. Yeah. But that's, 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 that's another, that's another, another podcast. Uh, JVL. Yes. Go ahead. Your turn. Give us an example. So mine is a continuing story. It, it had, it's still going on now. There has been no repercussions for it because of the world we live in. And to be frank in this one, it's the one that I'm less surprised about. And most people were less surprised about, but I find even more upsetting and also funny at the same time, because you look at people that were the peers of this wrestler who maybe had the same inclinations as this wrestler for what you could see and see how much they are not a horrible human being or completely and utterly like devoid of empathy and human kindness. And it's, it's funny to me that, that this person was in that group and somehow came out that way. But again, in the land of WWE, we just breed horrible human beings. Apparently uh, I'm talking about mayor Glenn Jacobs, otherwise known as Kane. Shit, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, he played a character and we know he was in a soap opera and, and the character was a demon and like all these wonderful outlandish things. And you never really think about the person behind it because you're always growing up. You're like, oh, he's big and scary, but also there are undertones of satanic things. And maybe he's kind of into that, or at least he understands it and something and goes along. It, it's I just it, thought he was cool because he brought the fire. You and know? he was silent and he was yeah. big. Yeah, I'm and glad he's he Undertaker's brother. And he had, had a run because the minute this man got elected or started to run for office in his hometown and got to get his political beliefs out on this uh, free world where he's basically Donald Trump, the wrestler. Uh, and I hate to bring up that name on this podcast and put anything else in the, out there for the negative, you know, irradiated Cheeto. But Glenn Jacobs has made it a career now outside of the ring of being the most hateful, spiteful, spineless little human being who is so afraid that the white man is going to be put down because he's a man who can't control himself and makes everyone else around him worse. And it kills everything about your love of wrestling because you forget that these are real people doing that type of thing. The same along lines a bit for the undertaker who now we know Mark Calloway, good old Southern boy. Like you knew this was there, but he hit it well behind a mask. But I, what I was bringing up of like peers of his, you know, with Glenn Jacobs out there tweeting about abortion rights and, to, and and just really like diving head on into and taking this all down when you were in a uh, like a, a written soap opera and stuff like that for years and you have no leg to stand on as an authority on any of this. You look at a man who was a conservative also in his beliefs in Mick Foley, who was conservative in the fact of I don't want people interfering with my stuff. I want my own money. I want to make sure I pay for my family and take care of this stuff. But who's also a giant LGBTQ ally who is very much a good, kind person who just wants to be nice to everyone. Uh, and in, ostensibly, you know, maybe behind closed doors, he also could have a lot of skeletons we don't know about. And he probably does. But in general, makes an effort to be personable and not just shut people down because he thinks he's better than everyone. It, it, it just burns me up inside that someone who affected so many people yeah. And they hold these things as a personal belief. That's great. Is now forcing this onto an entire group of people plus more out in this country and feeding and fomenting lies and total and utter anger between groups when he doesn't need to. He's a leader. He was elected. Like you could use your, your title for so much good for these people to bring them education, healthcare, things that they need. And all you're doing is taking money and being a yelling, angry white man. You stupid incel. Sorry. So we can group the ultimate warrior, uh, Jim Helwig, oh, yeah. in with this. It's about to and get so spicy. 
So well, you I, know what I meant. It's about, it's going to get nuts. I think we're past that, Mikey. Can we, so, so it's harder for, for Kane and The Undertaker because they, are, of course, are still living, you know. Uh, J- uh, Jim Jim Helwig has passed. But, you know, do we, can you separate The Ultimate Warrior, The Undertaker, Kane, that... AJ Styles? A- AJ Styles, that, 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 you know, ha- have been... More like Undertaker and Ultimate Warrior, and I, I guess Kane, but like have been have been pillars uh, of of wrestling, and you know, like stories and this, that, and the other. Can you separate that character from the real person? And I bring this up because, like, I, I was telling Mikey this before uh, before you jumped on JVL. I have an Ultimate Warrior action figure. Right, we were in Target. Uh, I saw it. Right. And I just like, I started thinking back of watching all those ultimate warrior matches and, you know, like all those good times and those good feelings, you know, uh, from that. And, and, and I bought it, brought it home, put it up on my wall. It's right there, you know, but since then, like, and it's funny, it's it's like, as soon as I put it up, I I stepped back and then I was like, Oh wait, you know, uh, even though his, his, his family is, has come out and, and, you know, is trying to, to, you know, contradict that, but like he's, you know, he said some really hateful shit. So yes, PR, but she believed a lot of the same thing he did. She did. Right. But so like now, like I'm struggling with that. Like, can, is it okay to separate the wrestler to, to separate that, that character, uh, from the real person. Here's my thoughts. Undertaker and Kane are distancing themselves from their characters now to make sure they can be seen as the people that they always have wanted to be. And in general, they just, like you said, they're alive. It's hard to to, to to separate the two still because they're adding to the legacy of what that was while being here. And anything you buy or support them with goes to them. It's it's part of their thing. I, I have an old Undertaker ornament that I put on my Christmas tree for years and years. And over the last four or five years, it has not come out of the box. I just won't put it up. I can't in good faith with ultimate warrior. I liken him to what's going on in the world of Harry Potter because he's gotten a state that still gets the money from his stuff based on what he did and what, whether they believe the stuff or not, it's still benefiting somebody off of that stuff. Still tough to take that in. Whereas I look at like something like HP Lovecraft, a racist about everything else. His stuff's now in the public domain. So anyone can use it for anything and they get to benefit from that. So then taking that art, say the ultimate warrior was just there. It was out there as a tra- untrademarked thing. People could use it for whatever want. Right. Actually, sure. Buy a, buy a shirt, buy that stuff. But I'm not only am I supporting his family, I'm supporting WWE, which is already shown to be a place of like scum, high scum and villainy and a bunch of other stuff that doesn't need my money. I can't even the nostalgia for me. Can't go far enough to do that with, I need to move on and I need to be upfront with my daughter or other people that know about this or to come into this. Like you can know about this, but you're not going to buy anything or it's not going to be something that I'm going to help you support while we have choices here. You and I can have a conversation, but this is not going to be a thing we're spending our money on. And that's tough. And I feel for you as well, because it's up there in a place of, of that, that's, you know, ostensibly in a place where you want to like celebrate it. And it's part of who you are and what you grew up with. And that's taken away. We are literally feeling what most trans Harry Potter fans are feeling right now. The LGBTQ Harry Potter fans where they grew up with the books, they had all these things and they can't, they have to lock it away because the person that created this, that embodied this, that did this stuff thinks they shouldn't 
exist. The, the Jim Helwig Adolfo believed you should not be. Yep. That you are wrong. Yep. And that's that's tough to in, internalize. Yep. Mikey, what do you think? See, I don't want to say it makes it easier for me to kind of like not be so attached to the characters, given the fact that my heyday of wrestling is what we're seeing now. And even like the 2010s of wrestling in WWE and just in general. So like the Batistas, the John Cena's, the punks. But then also we're looking at the current stars like the Bianca Belair's, the, all that kind of stuff. So it's more, a little bit more easier for me to kind of not be as invested as this. But it's really, really tough because you spend all this time, you get invested in characters, you like in terms of the conversation with character versus the actual person, you love this character, you invest time in them, you want you support them. And then we come to find out that the the actual person behind the character is kind of a like unpolished herd. Like it's a bad. It's yeah. really, really bad. It's a parasocial relationship you formed with the character, not with the person. Because you Exa- don't exactly. So then, you know, I will admit this to myself. It's like sometimes when you could become invested in a character, it's really, really hard to kind of pull yourself out of that in order to see things objectively. Because, and it, this could be a whole nother conversation because then, you know, when you have a, when you're going through that process, you have a crisis of self and a crisis of faith because you're like, on the one hand, I don't want to be a supporter of a horrible person, but at the same time, because because so many of these wrestling characters mean so much to so many other people out there. And some of these wrestling characters have heard stories of other wrestling fans, like the characters that they portray have got them through the tough times, like all that kind of stuff. Experience with that in our own group. I mean, look at Jesse and, you know, Bray Wyatt. And and Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He's still in mourning and, and rightfully so. And he exactly. didn't know the- and it's really, really hard because we a parasocial relationship like with these characters. I don't know. It's for me personally, is I'm not saying that you should support a horrible person, but I think what needs to be understood is is that if and we've all witnessed it and experienced it ourselves, people are going through that process of trying to detach themselves from this parasocial relationship. It needs to be handled with care because on the one hand, you want to make sure you stand for what's right and kind of like you don't want to support a horrible person. But at the same time, it is a process. Sometimes it takes people longer to get there than others. And I feel that during this process, people need to kind of be more wary, but don't take too long because then you ultimately are never going to want to distance yourself from it. I don't know. I'm rambling on and on. For me personally, it's really, really difficult because it's easy to say that, yeah, you don't want to support a horrible person. And at the same time, you have to give yourself the time to process and to detach yourself bit by bit because you can't rip a Band-Aid off completely because then things can get wild. I have seen some things happen and it's not a pretty sight. And yeah, those are some more of the darker stories I have in my closet. Well, silver lining, it was on discount. So, oh my God. <laughs> so that's, yeah. All right, uh, Mikey, you had you said you had a, a, another person uh, oh, to, I know what to talk about. about. This one, this is what I was it's, alluding to. Just keeping going. It just came up recently. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, remember, right. remember how I mentioned you have to take the time to detach yourself from the character you love and everything that happened. This is what I was alluding to because this is my own personal one that I had to. It took me a while to get over the fact because I really dug the character. But the second person that I'm going to be talking about is former, you know, the wrestler or I guess he's still wrestling at this point. It's all up in the air. But 
We're talking about Patrick Clark, formerly known as the Velveteen Dream. So this one is going to be a little bit, uh, whereas Tessa was more focused on racism and bullying, there is some very uh, underaged allegations and things that are about to be mentioned. So I'm just putting that out there right now. And uh, as somebody who has close, you know, a story with somebody in their immediate family who was a victim of this kind of stuff is very sensitive for me. But it's important to talk about this. So let's start. So Velveteen Dream was on the rise. So Velveteen was part of the black and gold NXT brand. And Velveteen Dream, like Dream's rise to the top of that NXT card was so organic. And the crowd was so behind the character of the Velveteen Dream. And, you know, a lot younger Mikey like gravitated toward Velveteen Dream because, you know, this was a different character very flamboyant and at that time i was struggling with trying to come to terms like i wasn't a typical guy like i was very sensitive very flamboyant in my mannerisms and things like that and this is a little bit more of a personal one and on top of that dream had such amazing feuds with the likes of ricochet alistair black tomaso champa like he was on the rise and he was about to I honestly think he was going to be on the rise to be a future NXT champion there. And then WWE even went so far as to do an investigation where they couldn't, where they didn't draw a conclusion of him doing anything wrong. But because of how bad this was in terms of image, Velveteen Dream was taken off television. And then subsequently, half a year later, after being taken off television, he was released from the company. Weren't there also texts that came out or something like that? Allegedly, he had some texts as well. And so WWE did an investigation, couldn't find anything, but they were like, yeah, we're not going to add fuel to the fire here. So they took him off of television. And then, you know, half a year later, he was released. And then it got worse because fire kind of being released from NXT dream was not even you know, he wasn't wrestling in two years. You know, people were still talking about him. They're like, whatever happened to Velveteen Dream? Like, what's going on? And then Dream popped up again in August of 2022 because he was arrested twice in the span of a few days apart. One for assault and battery because he was accused of punching a gym owner. And then the second one was, you know, being in possession of drug paraphernalia. So it took a dark path. And then during this time, too controversies kept coming up because then we add into the mix that ec3 made some accusations too which by the way if ec3 is your guy like that's on you i personally have never liked him and i feel that you know he also is kind of scummy to me in the way he presents himself which is neither here nor there but ec3 made some accusations and he accused dream of setting up a camera in the bathroom of ec3's house when they were having a party like it was it got really crazy from there velveteen would also come out to deny these allegations and that he you know he came out to deny it and then he wanted to give his side of the story and wwe would corroborate it which then turned into a big old he said she said thing so we really not got any closure from that but it kind of went away a little bit like people had stopped talking about velveteen dream and then, oh boy, not even like, what was it? Like we were like, what, towards the tail end of 2023 right and before. he, yep, he came back 
and he made he released an apology video talking about his behavior. He didn't cop to any of the allegations with the sexual misconduct with minors. He just apologized just for bad behavior and how he was going through it and yada, yada, yada. And then take it a step further. Then shortly after releasing this apology video, look, listen, I love Chris Van Vliet. Like, I think he has some pretty fun interviews with wrestlers, but I was very wary when he sat down with Velveteen Dream on his podcast and they have a whole entire episode. and. After watching this whole thing, I am still in a state of what is happening? Like, this is nuts. Like, we're still dealing with this. And here's the thing. I always want to stand with the victims and the allegations are horrible, but everything has just become such a convoluted mess because of everything that has happened. But at the end of the day, I've already worked through the process to detach myself from Velveteen Dream and... I'm not going to go back to it. You never want to make so you never want to say someone is guilty before you see uh, the evidence and you hear all the facts. And at this point, I still don't know how to feel about all the allegations that are thrown his way because nothing substantiary has come with it. But I'm still going to stand by my decision. Like if Dream wrestles again, cool on him. You never want to see people's livelihoods taken away like that. If it's true that he, you know, all those allegations were ended up false, but I have grown and I am different now than I was back then. So this is one of those instances where I'm still not sure how to feel about this, but I'm not even I'm not going to touch this with the 10 foot pole because I was like, I already processed the feelings during this whole entire thing. I've detached myself from dream as a character. And you know what? I have other people I want to support. But yeah, this, this is still an ongoing thing. We don't really know what happened. and. It still baffles me in the sense that I don't know who's right, who's wrong, like what is substantiary, what is not. And I don't want to say it this way because it sounds like I don't care. But, you know, I will continue to see if there's any developments with this because it's an ongoing thing and we are a wrestling review in, in like entity now. But yeah, I have other people I want to support right now. And uh, yeah, so that's my second one. I know that that one was a little bit more convoluted. And given the situation that happened, but yeah, so Velveteen Dream, that is the second one that I had for this episode. Let me ask this, this, and this, this is going to be very, this is going to be very hard hitting question. All right. If we want to talk about spicy, this is, this, this, this might get spicy. And, but it is, it's a question that, that needs to be asked. Do you think that if Velveteen Dream was, I'm just going to say, do you think if he was just like the stereotypical white jacked, wrestler that the wwe that you that is arch archetypical in the wwe do you think that it would have been treated differently do you think that the allegations would have gotten swept on the rug do you think that he would would have gotten the same treatment do you want the honest truthful mikey well mike i'm i'm gonna let you marinate for a few <laughs> moments jvl spit some truth oh jeez. i believe because kids were involved he would have still, they wouldn't have been able to sweep this under the rug as easily. Right. They wouldn't have made such a big deal about it. I think because Patrick Clark as a person was already a sociopath and showing that backstage where he was a lot, really full of himself, really about himself. He kind of shot himself in the foot to have any cover that he would have ever gotten white, black, you know, Asian polka dot, whatever, you know, and whatever race he would be because he was out for his own thing. He kind of screwed himself to begin with. But also I believe that 
it just in this day and age you can't be careful enough you've got to make everything you can look great because WWE is a publicly traded company like you have to do what you can for that no matter who it is he did get the short end of the second I think partially because of race but also because of his own asshole tendencies I'm sorry I have to say it okay all right Mikey so I echo a little bit of what JBL said I think because kids are evolved like and I'm not saying any type of misconduct misbehavior like crime if you will it should apply to everyone, regardless of social, economical, racial status, all that stuff. Now, I'm going to put this disclaimer here because people who watch this later wanted to take this out of context. Do not believe that. I am the type of person that is very wary of the way the world operates, but I try to see the best in people because I want people to see the best in me, despite, you know, societal misconceptions and prejudices and things like that. So partially, I think the Internet took it way too far and people went left with it because then they made it about race because, you know, the allegations came out. I was like, well, that sucks and that's not right. Then people just looked at it and be like, oh, yeah, this black man, this big black man that said very derogatory things like the prejudicial things that were being said, I was like, listen, I don't condone his behavior. And if these allegations prove to be true, then that's horrible. And he needs to be brought to justice. However, because in this day and age in the court of public opinion and everybody has an opinion and can post it on the internet, I can't even listen. We have social media, but even I was very wary of giving us social media because the internet is a very scary place. And if people are out there to troll you and just the negativity and the racism and the prejudicial and the very homophobic, xenophobic, like just take your name of the pick of the SAT words that you got to study for here. I agree that no, I don't think because he was African-American at the base level of all this, he was treated any differently. But the once again, the internet proves that it takes what's happening and then it's always got to be about race, weight, all the super negatives that your mama should have taught you not to point out in other people. But because the internet is such an unpoliced place and anybody can express their opinion, the anonymity behind your username is a big problem. People took it way too far and just made it about something that it should have been, which I feel like detracted from the real issue of the whole entire thing to begin with, as it tends to do with a lot of these things that happen with scandals yeah. and controversies in the professional wrestling world is that, you know, there are very few people that are trying to do this like journalistically for the truth. And then everyone takes it into a new direction where the true facts and the true meaning of what we're supposed to be outraged with gets buried beneath all the crap, so to speak. And then you have the homers who just believe that their opinion is fact and that, you know, no matter what it is, they're going to believe in a certain person or a certain company and toe the line, even though they know they're wrong or they're, you know, they're going to go against whatever they can and burn down bridges in between people they are work with or are around that they want to talk to about it. And it's really tough that way because you want to help them understand that they're completely missing the point when these things happen and they're stuck in a nostalgic haze or you're stuck behind things that you, you, you want to believe because if you don't, your identity has become so tied to this that when these people don't even know that the, the wrestling companies don't know that about you, you have attached yourself to it so hard that then you have to do a lot of soul searching for yourself to also remove yourself from the situation. So it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Nostalgia is definitely, it is powerful. It is powerful. People, people do not. It, I mean, it's toxic, but people do not give nostalgia the credit that it's due for the amount of power 
You know, I mean, look at how many franchises, even outside of wrestling franchises, are just still floating and raking in tons and tons of money just because of nostalgia. You know, right. all right, uh, that, that was good. JBL, do, did you have one more person? I didn't have one off the top of my head uh, that I prepared. The only other one I can think okay. of is Johnny Superfly Snooker with the whole thing with the Nancy Argento murder Ooh. and not being swept under the rug by Vince, Man, but also yep. CTE and all that stuff. Someone who never got yeah. completely scrubbed. Much brain damage. Yep. There's a man who had cocaine, steroid, and everything else yep. issues that ended up murdering someone and getting it taken away because at the time he was a savage. He was a guy yeah. who played off the didn't speak English and therefore could get away yep. with that type of stuff. And that sounds, you know, it was. It's what it is. So that that doesn't need to be delved into. It's a lot of the same with Chris Benoit, but that's the only one I could think of. Okay. So let's, uh, if unless you have someone else, Mikey, let us finish off with Chris Jericho. Why? Oh, Here we go. So the Ocho. All right. Whoa. So Whoa. for those of you that might have forgotten, a few months. Really? It was let's timestamp this. So. This all dropped right before World's End at the end of yeah. December. So it's only been like a month. It's only been a month fresh with this one. This is still ongoing too. Uh, but speaking out. Right. So, and speaking of employee handbooks, Chris, uh, Chris Jericho got into an internet tiff with who was it? Oh man, I did. I, I did the, the research on it. He no. got into an internet tip and the inter- it, with the internet personality, like podcaster kind of type. Of situation. Right. And like, and lawyers got involved in this, that, and the other, if, if you want the full story, please look it up and, and read and, and, and educate yourself on it. It is still ongoing. So at any rate, so this happened, right. And a whole bunch of, dudes were being dudes on the internet and opted to drag out and say, well, you know, Chris, you know, Chris Benoit, like they were likening him. Oh, what's Harvey to Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, you know, pull, if, if I'm going to pull, you know, skeletons out of your closet, whatnot, and pretty much these off this whole dudes being dudes, on the internet, you know, dragged other people's stories out, you know, which at first, okay, it, it might be a good thing that, that it gets dragged out, but like, but no one asked the other person if, 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 if this could get dragged out, you know, uh, no one was consulted like, and, and, and these are like sexual misconduct allegations, uh, that are going on, you know, and as of the, as of this pot, as of this live stream, uh, there still hasn't been anything legally that has been handed to, to Jericho. He is still on AEW, you know, disappear. Uh, so, you know, my, my, my first question is this going off of how this information came out, right. Where it was dudes being a-holes on, on the internet. It's a digital dick measuring contest. Yeah. Thank you. You know, is and I don't, I, I don't want to diminish the allegations, but like, how heavy it, 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 is this weighed against Jericho? You know what I mean? Because, like I said, he's still out there. He's still wrestling. Uh, he had his Jericho cruise recently. You know, a lot of people went on there and and had a good time, posted on the social media and whatnot. So, like. You know, what do you think, JVL? Do you think someone should have uh, just because Mikey went black? So I, I, I want to make oh, there you. But I so I'm going to start with you, Mikey. What do you think someone should have stepped in and 
you know, and stopped, like tried to curtail Jericho and like, you know, pulling him off of AEW and whatnot, just literally going off of what has happened or, or not. You know, I said this during the different, you know, AEW reviews we had post world's end when this whole situation came out, go back and watch them on the channel right here. Shameless plug. But, and I still stand by what I said. I think in any situation when something like this happens, there needs to be due diligence. And that's the word I use all the time when it comes to talking about these kinds of topics. There has to be a sense of due diligence where there needs to be an investigation. We need to kind of see what's happening. Like, is there any sanctuary like things to go with it? And I think the biggest problem that happened here is that when this happened, you can tell because this dropped hours before World's End. And we saw the fallout during the match at World's End that we had. And even the wrestlers were not happy with you having to be with Chris Jericho in yep. that match after all these allegations came out. Yep. Like we we like you heard Darby call Chris Jericho a POS, you know, yep. as Darby was making his entrance. They shuffled didn't want afterwards so Sting could have his moment. Like they got yep. Jericho out of there. Sting yep. didn't really want to interact with Jericho in the match, but the biggest indicator of like somebody not really in not wanting to work with Jericho due to this was Ricky Starks because he got tagged in, stared at Jericho across the ring, stuck up the middle finger and tagged himself out. He's like, I'm not doing this. So there should have been due diligence where their investigation needed to happen. And Chris Jericho should have been pulled immediately from television at least for a couple of weeks while this investigation was happening. But did it happen the way that I outlined? Absolutely not. And I have faults with AEW when it comes to booking and, you know, treatment of the women's division, which is a whole different topic. But I feel that they handled this situation not in the best of things because we still got Jericho on television. He had a championship match with Sammy Guevara for those tag titles at Battle of the Belts. We just recently saw him go up against Kanosuke Takeshita. Like he is still on AEW television. He is still cutting promos. He is still doing all of this. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I was like, look, even though these are allegations and you need time to investigate this, I'm like, how in the bloody hell did Chris Jericho not receive any type of, hey, we got to take you out of television. And Again, this is a whole different conversation, but because Chris Jericho is a big name in AEW and, you know, he draws in, you know, the crowd and whatnot, according to some people on the Internet, this is where your name and the brand that you have given yourself dictates like how you are being treated. Because don't get me wrong, there's still a vocal minority of people who are booing Jericho for everything he's done, but. It really turned me off because over the last couple of weeks, I've seen more and more people continue to sing Jericho's theme song when he makes his entrance. And I'm just like, oh, ew. So, but here's the thing I'll say against that, uh, hearing it from other reporters, that's what AEW is focusing on. That's what you're seeing on TV. If you're mm -hmm. in the arenas, they're turning down. There's actually been more boos and more mm -hmm. folks that like get him out of the ring as they've gone to each place. So he's doing what he can to cover this up. Okay. Very McMahon-esque, like turn down the booze on TV, do all that stuff. You can't turn up the music. So I, I feel you on that, but I think I have to give the fans a little more credit in certain respects that they're doing what they can, but the product is still being shown is what it is. Okay, then I will retract that statement from my overall thesis. I appreciate it. It's just a crappy situation and it 
again, as someone who has had immediate family be a victim of said things that Chris Jericho is being, you know, accused of, it frustrates me because I'm like, these are my opinions. How in the right mind can you defend something like this? That is what frustrates me. And I go and Adolfo to go back to what we brought up. We were talking about Velveteen Dream. I don't want to make it a race thing, but I cannot include race in this conversation because Chris Jericho has allegedly been getting away with this crap for so long. And because he's Chris Jericho, he's no longer the person playing the character. He literally has become his own. He believes his own hype. He is. The embodiment of his character that he created all those years ago. And there's no differentiating now because people just see Chris Jericho, the wrestler. And it's not like with a lot of wrestling fans at this point, because Jericho has been in this business for a long time. Like, I believe Chris Jericho (laughs) believes his own hype. And it frustrates me because it's and who knows, there might be stuff going on behind scenes. But what I'm being presented on television is telling me as a viewer that AEW isn't doing anything about this. Van Vicious, what do you got? What do you think? Jericho's protected. He's got whatever contract he's got that makes him more powerful than the EVPs. He's got it where basically I am your big deal. You can't tell me what I do. I've got, you know, creative control, all the rest of the stuff. And he's constantly on on TV because he wants to be. This stuff should have been dealt with when the speaking out movement happened. This stuff was fresh then, and whatever investigation was done internally did not do an investigation. From what, what's what Bren brought up later and later is that no one that actually was involved in it has ever been contacted because the minute they have to legally, they've got to do something. This happens in every setup where you have a person in power, Vince McMahon, all these other people, who have in, investigations done on them, but they're the people that run the place. They're the people that bring in the money. You're not going to have an unbiased person come in unless you bring in an outside person that doesn't care for their job or doesn't get threatened. Jericho thinks of himself as, you know, a person that keeps receipts from everybody. Look at the notes he took for his books. Looks at all the things he's done. He knows what's right and wrong in this business and stands up for the little guy, except that he doesn't. He stands up for himself. And that's what he's done here. It's politicking in the back. It's t- it's people in AEW not wanting to lose another big star, whether he's actually drawing or not. And then it's the mentality that has been now, which is we're established, we're beholden to whatever corporate entity is running our things. We can't just go and actually police ourselves anymore. This comes down to, does the network want Jericho on there? Well, then the network gets Jericho versus what's actually good for business. I burn up inside that this is being completely swept under the rug as well. And I really get angry when a company does everything in its technical power to ignore when something is a problem, this will at some point, hopefully come back to bite them in the butt. Who knows if it will, but when rich white old men get caught out for the crimes they do, they rarely get what's coming to them. Right. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that. That's depressing. It's so depressing. No, it is. It, it is, you know, uh, and, uh, you know the legal ramifications like, well, look at this also like to, to, to put, put my thesis of they can't do it now. When Speaking Out came out, they pulled Jimmy Havoc, who was in a title picture, and sent him packing, fired him right away. And he did heinous stuff and deserved to be so. But they didn't do it to Jericho. Yeah. Because Jericho was their their champion yeah. and also was Chris Jericho. Yep. They are so far down this road now, they would not, and they're so far in the in TBS and Warner Brothers and everything else, there is no way in hell Tony Cobb could come out tomorrow and go, I'm taking him off TV. He is insulated. The only way 
that this could happen is if a lawsuit was brought again or some sort of outside legal thing was was brought against him to make it so they were losing sponsorship dollars so that WB would say, oh, yeah, we need to actually fix this. Yep. Nothing's been lost on their end. There's for the business. Therefore, nothing's being done. It's all capitalism and money involved. Yeah, and that that that's that that is a rub. I might look calm, you know, but flames on the side of my face. Heaving. I, I'm good. I'm I'm done. Uh, I went through my my uh, my checklist. I think this was a great conversation. I, I honestly called Mikey naive. I'm uh, yeah. wrong. Yeah, I was now and who I have to go yell at. And if yeah. it's me, look, it's here's me. the thing. Here's the thing. So I am in a place in my life where I knew once I decided to make us a like on air personalities with all this, I knew we would get some sort of trolling. Every entity does. And that is not, you know, I wasn't expecting not to have it, but I'm in a position right now where these are my views on professional wrestling. You know, I love this thing. It has provided me with, with, you know, even though it's been short, it's been providing me years of entertainment. And honestly, like I've shared the story on multiple reviews and JVL knows the story. Adolfo knows the story. Professional wrestling became something that helped me get through the pandemic. And it has become a special memory with me, you know, that I got to make in the last year or two with my grandmother, who became my wrestling partner during the pandemic and watched all that stuff with me. However, it is because of her memory and what she stood for and, you know, the things that she and my mom have raised me to be. I can't stand for this kind of nonsense. I believe that when someone makes a mistake or someone does harm against another person, whatever form that may be physical, emotional, uh, mental, and even sometimes spiritual too. Like regardless, pain is pain, regardless of the form that it takes. And when someone harms another person in any shape or form, the proper way to do things is there needs to be due process and justice needs to be served. Whether it be someone, you know, gets fined, someone loses their job, criminal charges are filed, depending on, you know, what happened in an ideal world. That is what's supposed to happen. However, as someone who has experienced the other side of things of, you know, the unfairness that the world has against certain, you know, groups of individuals for whatever reason. And I'm not playing victim here because those experiences have made me stronger to say that there's nothing these little Internet trolls can say to me that I haven't already heard before. And you know what? That needs to be discussed because they are an aspect just like any other thing that we love the world so i'm all for a conversation but if you're coming attack my personal character you better be ready because mikey is a nice loving individual but you don't want to make him mad because you're not ready for me mikey hates himself more than you ever could you're, there's nothing you can say <laughs> seriously like there's I, nothing I you can't say that i haven't already like my past self and my current self i told myself but we here at the Biconics do our best to remind Mikey that he's actually worthwhile and we love him dearly. So right. there's nothing. Like, he's starting at a level that you're already like way too. Yep. Like, don't even <laughs> yep. Yep. Grow a beard, Mikey. Come on. I'm scared. Look, then it's just like, I like a clean shaven face. I got to be distinct because I'm surrounded by beautiful beards here at the Biconics. Yeah. You can I, miss him however you wish. I, I feel that we had some, uh, I, I feel like we had some uh, great conversations tonight. It was, you it know? was a tough, tough show to slog through, but definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I don't want to say it was tough, but I, I think that, you know, hopefully if people, uh, you know, go back and re-listen to this or watch it or, or, or you know, whatnot, you know, hopefully it'll ha- cause people to to think deeper about these topics. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe maybe be become more vocal and, and maybe, you know, a, a movement can start or whatnot. But uh, but yeah, you know, let folks know and let the wrestlers know that you support them and that. You yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that, all that stuff like be out there be yep. vocal and let them and let people know the change needs to happen because you're the only ones that are going to make it happen yep and if you're watching this in the future and vince mcmahon's gone to jail for 50 plus years and uh, chris jericho's been pulled off tv for a couple things let us know in the comments we'd love to know in the future what's happening yes please absolutely well boys i think this is this is a good stopping point but let's continue this conversation online let us know what you thought about this particular episode of BC WrestlePod and what you thought of our conversation or if you have anything to add about any of the people we talked about tonight or if you even have your own individuals that you think are just like, why are we still revering them the way that we are or problematic behavior? Let us know because we want to shine a light on the good things, but we also have to take the good with the bad, just like any other medium in the world. But we appreciate you being here tonight. And I have to say, boys, thank you for coming on. You know, with the whole world watching two football teams right now, I'm happy that I was able to spend this moment and to have this conversation with you. Am I missing something? Is something going on? I mean, you know, yo, yo, all I know is I got my my chicken wings discounted because of the (laughs) super bowl. So I thought it was because they knew that we were having our live stream tonight because they figured we need. I mean, fair, fair. That's very, that is very, very fair. Also, I really do want to know trunks or tights. What do you prefer? Ooh, that's that's the next topic of that's the next episode. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of trunks or tights but if we're going immediately listen as somebody who has thick thighs that save lives i have to go with you know the tight i'm i'm a singlet guy it's the appropriate equipment (laughs) for for wrestling (laughs) i have the support i see this yep oh my goodness we have you know despite the heavy conversations we have in the important ones we also bring a breath of levity to these situations and if you want to be able to see both sides you can check out the rest of the things we have here on the Biconics Wrestling YouTube channel. We have more you know, than just us. There's yeah. nine of us total. So we have a plethora of different opinions, which I really love. So make sure to go through the YouTube, see what you like, hit that notification bar, subscribe, hit the bell, like all the good things on the YouTube. Share these videos because it is so important. And then, of course, if you're like, hey, Where can I find out when your reviews and other projects go live? And, you know, where can I see you guys post like really fun stuff? Well, I'm glad you asked. So you can follow us all over any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, you know, just Friendster. You can find us all over those social media sites at BC WrestlePod. And then, you know journal somewhere right like somewhere blog somewhere yeah blog spot we're on we're on daily journal we're on live journal or a hotmail account you know a hotmail account like make sure you hit the you know make sure nobody else is on the internet for the dial-up door but if and then last thing if unfortunately whatever circumstances that are if you can't commit to watching our beautiful faces you can take us now with you on the go because we have audio versions of all our reviews and that has been my personal mission for 2024 is to provide another 
outlet for those who want to listen and hear our thoughts on professional wrestling, but just can't find the time to watch our videos. We got you covered. You can listen to us on your way to work when you're studying for an exam. If you just need some background noise while you're doing a project. And then more importantly, too, you can listen to us when you're taking care of business on the porcelain throne, which I've heard people are listening to us there, which I am oh. not going to be ashamed to say. People listen to us while they're taking care of business and drop my voice. Comments. My voice will help you poop. I, I won't say that I don't watch the product, but Adolfo has helped me through a couple showers lately. It's been very fun. We love it here, but that is going to be it from myself, Adolfo, JBL, and the rest of the Biconics boys here. Remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, stay. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember... Take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.